0: So uh, you can do two things at once they're going to receive uh, they 're going to pass these these baskets and i 'm going to jump in to my message uh, we've had i don 't know if you 've noticed or not but but uh, it 's been snowing uh, <laughs> we 've had seven hundred and ninety two centimeters of snow in the last week and a half. And we were thinking about um, needing to, to truck the snow off the property. And then uh, I thought, well, what if, what if we got everyone who's here for Sunday morning, if you'd all just fill your trunks. <laughs> Those of you who have minivans, just load a rate right up. And if, if everybody took some snow with them today, uh, think of all you could save the church. You know, That's just good stewardship, don't you, don't you think? No, you're not with me on that one. Um, and uh, before we get too far, uh, we, I have an, an engagement announcement. I don't know, it's been a while since we've made one of these, but uh, we have an engagement announcement to make this morning. Always good to celebrate what's happening in the church family. And Amanda Boom and CJ Wellner are sitting right down here. Get them a big hand. You got to wave, Amanda. You got to wave. There you are. All right. We're going to be married later this fall, so that's exciting. So if you're just dropping in this morning, we're in week two of a four-week series called The Blessed Life. Uh, This is the second time in three years that we've done this series. I don't know if we'll do this every three years or not. I don't know. Maybe this is the only two times we'll do it. I I really don't know. Uh, But I knew that it was the series that we needed to do in this season as a church, so here we are. And like I said last week, we're not in a hole. Uh, we might be if it keeps snowing, but but so far we are, we're not in a hole. Uh, this is not a campaign. There won't be a commitment card at the end of this series. Uh, we're giving away the book called The Blessed Life that we're building the series on. We're, that book is available for free uh, out at the Welcome Center. And uh, you can pick one up. It's never too late to jump in. Last week's theme was putting God first. When you trust the Lord with all your heart, you'll be able to give to the Lord from all you have. That was last week's theme. When you trust in the Lord with all your heart, you'll be able to give to the Lord from all that you have. Give, give God your best. Was anyone listening at the very end of the sermon? I even put it in bright red. Well, Cindy did, but I'll take credit for it. Give God your best. He'll take care of the rest. All right, so that was, uh, that was last week's theme. This week's theme comes from chapter 3 in the book, The Blessed Life by Robert Moores. And, and, and in that chapter 3, um, Robert Morris talks about why giving your best to God and returning the tithe back to God isn't law, it's life. That's the title, it's, it, that giving is, is not law, it's life. So we're going to be in the book of Matthew this morning. The first four books of the New Testament are what we call the Gospel Letters. And the Gospels capture many of the teachings and miracles of Jesus. And if you, if you, if you read through the Gospels, and I highly recommend that every, everyone do that, if you just start in Matthew and just start reading through Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, you'll notice a tension between Jesus and, uh, Jesus and his new message of grace and the Pharisees, the keepers of the old law. And this, this tension that you'll notice in the gospel letters, it, uh, it, it boils over at times when Jesus gets exasperated with the shallow legalism of the Pharisees and, and he confronts their hypocrisy. They were keepers of all things religious on, on the outside, but they were spiritual wrecks on the inside, and Jesus, and Jesus knew that. And so that tension boils over from time to time in the New Testament. Jesus calls them a, a bunch of names. He shouts at them, he points at them, and he tells people everywhere to never, ever, ever become like those guys. Kind of reminds me of my father at my junior hockey games. (laughs) Shouting at people, calling them all a bunch of names. That's what it reminded me of. So Jesus presented a new way of living, a better way of of living. And oftentimes, Jesus would, as he was teaching, uh, he would tell people, you've heard it said this way. But I tell you, it is it is this way, and He would present a better a better way of living, and so this new teaching of of grace and loving your neighbor and going the extra mile and turning the other cheek and every, all all of those teachings of Christ it caused people to to wonder if all the laws of, of Moses and uh, the laws that, that even predate Moses, laws that they learned from, from Abraham, if all of those things were, were still relevant and to be followed, or, or if, if this new teaching of Jesus was Jesus' way of saying, hey, let's just scrap the whole thing, let's start over uh, from brand from brand new. And that's where some people would say that the concept of tithing is an Old Testament Concept. It's it's in the old, and Jesus came to make everything everything new. And so, you know, we don't we don't live by by that anymore. We're over here now, and that's where where some people um, uh, see that. But as we're about to see, grace doesn't abolish the law; it makes it better. Okay, so our text this morning are um, two texts from the book of Matthew. One is uh, the first one is Matthew chapter five, verses seventeen to twenty. And then we're going to follow that right up with one verse, Matthew 23, 23. All right, so here we go. Matthew chapter 5, verse 17, where Jesus says, Don't misunderstand why I I have come. I did not come to abolish the law of Moses or the writings of the prophets. No, I came to accomplish their purpose. I tell you the truth, until heaven and earth disappear... Not even the smallest detail of God's law will disappear until its purpose is achieved. So if you ignore the least commandment and teach others to do the same, you will be called the least in the kingdom of heaven. But anyone who obeys God's laws and teaches them will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. But I warn you, unless your righteousness is better than the righteousness of the teachers of religious law in the Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Then let's drop down to Matthew chapter 23, verse 23. Jesus says, What sorrow awaits you, teachers of religious law and the Pharisees, hypocrites! For you are careful to tithe even the tiniest income from your herb gardens, but to ignore the more important aspects of the law, justice, mercy, and faith. You should tithe, yes, but do not neglect the more important things. Okay, back to Matthew chapter 5. Once again, we're in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus' famous Sermon on the Mount. And the part that we read, this, this snapshot that we took from the Sermon on the Mount, verses 17 through 20, um, it kind of makes you think that Jesus was was reading the crowd. And uh, he's teaching away, and he's he's getting into this, this message, this great sermon of his. And it's kind of, you know, like he can, you know you, how you can just tell when heads are starting to, Just turn a little bit and uh, maybe people are starting to chat with one another a little bit or whispering with one another. And so it appears like, like at this point of the sermon that Jesus addresses either... He either addresses what he knows they're thinking, or he addresses what he hears them talking about. So, you, know, they just, you know, he can tell that, that there's, there's something stirring there. It's, you can almost hear people wondering, you know, if, if, if this is all true, if what he is saying is true, and if, and if Jesus is the real deal, if he's the Messiah, if he's God's Son, if he really is the long-awaited Savior, the fulfillment of all history, the fulfillment of all prophecy... Well, if, if that's all true, then what do we do with with everything we've been taught up to this point? What do we do with, with everything that we've practiced up to this point? What do we do with the Old Testament laws and the laws of Moses and the things that God passed down to our ancestor Abraham and the way that we live and the, the things we've taught our children? What do we do with all that stuff? Now, for sure, for sure, for sure, not... You know, Jesus preaching out in the Sermon on the Mount. Not everyone in the crowd were, were following all the laws of Moses uh, to a T or anything like that. We, that's for sure. But they certainly would have been familiar with it. And they definitely would have been familiar with the ultra-religious keepers of the law, the Pharisees. So let's go back to just that first part of verse 17, where Jesus interrupts his own teaching because he wants to be clear. So back to verse 17, just, 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 there we go, thank you. Just, this is first part of verse 17, where Jesus really wants to be clear. This is huge. This is like three blizzards in the same week, kind of huge. Imagine if that happened, what would we do with all that snow? Okay, This is huge, where Jesus is teaching away, he's preaching up a storm, and and maybe he can tell that people are starting to turn their heads or starting to talk amongst themselves. And so he interrupts his own sermon, and he says, Hey, folks, friends, friends, don't misunderstand why I have come. Don't misunderstand. And and I would say here at Moncton-Westland this morning, The last thing we want is for people to misunderstand who Jesus is and and what his life means for us today. That's that's the last thing. I mean, if you come to church, um, hopefully, you know, something that we do here this morning... Makes it clearer. It helps you to see Jesus like you've never seen Jesus before. And you can leave church this morning thinking, you know, that was good and I understood the message and, and it, it kind of made sense and you get some, some spiritual traction going in your life. There's no point to come to church and everybody be, be confused. How you doing? You okay? Because you're, you're looking confused. And I'm talking about clarity. The last thing we want Is for people to misunderstand who Jesus is and what his life means. So everything we do here at Moncton Wesleyan is to help people clearly understand who Jesus is and why he came to this earth. The reason... That we invest uh, so much in, in children's ministry, in youth ministry, in care ministry, in the worship arts ministry, in seasonal productions like, like Hub City Christmas. is because we want as many people as possible to understand. We want people to understand who Jesus really is. We want them to follow him as their savior. And maybe you're here this morning and, and you came in here still not quite sure, but but but, but possibly something in, in your experience today in the worship or in the teaching or just the the Holy Spirit of God speaking to you the, and, it, and it clears for you. And you're like, whoa, I... I I, I can see who Jesus is. I mean, that's why we do what we do. The reason I'm asking you now, like right now, the reason I'm asking you now uh, to be here for Easter weekend and invite every family you know to our our Saturday Easter Bunny Blast. We're going to do that again. And uh, we call it the Easter Bunny Blast, but you understand it's all about Jesus. You understand, like like every person who comes through the door on that Saturday, we present the truth of the of who Jesus is and the resurrection. All those kids, all those families, they all they all hear the Easter story. And yes, there's going to be forty thousand Easter eggs, forty thousand Easter eggs. Um, but it's a wonderful thing to see those families lined up and coming in here uh, on that Saturday morning. And then and then not only not only that, but we're asking you, you. All y'all, we're asking you, the church, to go hard and invite everyone you know to Easter Sunday morning. Because we, we believe these chairs are here for revival. We really do. We really do We believe that's why God gave us this, this, this massive container is so that we can fill it full of people who need to clearly understand who Jesus really is, and so we're asking everyone to go hard for Easter Sunday morning so we can pack this place out and blow the roof off this place and celebrate the resurrection like never before and help thousands of people understand clearly who Jesus really is. Well, I'm getting so excited, my microphone keeps flying off my head. All right. Okay, our vision, the vision of the church that you attend, where you're at right now, our vision at Moncton Wesleyan is people inviting people. People, that's where, that's us, people inviting, going out and inviting other people to experience and follow Jesus. And we need to embrace this because because the world, people who are spiritually lost, people who have questions and, and people who are wondering about eternity and all these sorts of... There's no need for there to be confusion around who Jesus is. We can clear that up for people. We can help people understand clearly who Jesus is. And so we need a, a bigger burden in a greater urgency for our city, your friends, our neighbors, our co-workers. God help us, Monk and Wesleyan, to love our city towards Jesus like never before. All right. All right, let's put up the second part of verse 17 where Jesus says, um, I did not come to abolish the law of Moses or the writings of the prophets. No. I came to accomplish their purpose. Jesus didn't come to make the laws go away. He came to bring them to life. Now, the Old Testament, I, I know, the Old Testament is, is uh, it, it can be difficult reading at, reading at times. And, and there's times when you can wonder, like, okay, where is this going? And the Old Testament was working towards a promise being fulfilled. It was always moving towards a solution to our sin, a definition, a a purpose in the chaos and the craziness. A voice after centuries of silence and wondering when or if God was going to hear the cry of his people. And Jesus is the answer to the Old Testament. Jesus is the answer to all of, those, all of those questions. He's the answer to the prophecies. He's the answer to the fulfillment. He's the answer to people wondering, when is God going to, to fix this for us? Hang on, talk about fixing things. I need to fix this. Or, Yeah, okay. All right. Um, Jesus was the answer to their prayer. He's, he's our answer. So don't be concerned over the things that God might, might abolish in your life. Think of all the things he can he can accomplish. If we could put that 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 verse back up. Don't be overly concerned with, with what God might might abolish in your life, but be but but think about all that, that Jesus Christ can accomplish in your life. I love that I just I just love that thought that Jesus didn't come to abolish, he came to accomplish. What do you need God to accomplish in your life today? I think, I think a lot of people are are, are hesitant about about uh, God and and uh, in, in inviting Christ to be, you know, Lord of their life because maybe they're a little bit afraid of, of what He might speak to them about and things that He might point out in their life, and they might think, yeah, I don't, I don't know, if, I don't know. I don't know if I want God to, to, to talk to me about all the things that he wants to, to abolish. And Jesus, and Jesus puts the focus on, on all that he wants to accomplish in our lives. What do you need God to accomplish in your life today? Today could be the day that you give God that opportunity to accomplish anything in your life. Now, if you read on in Jesus' sermon, the Sermon on the Mount, if you just we read verse 20. But if you just keep going, just keep reading on in, in the Sermon on the Mount, he gives us examples of, of what he means about, I didn't come to abolish, I came to accomplish. Not to abolish, but here to accomplish. So if you read, you read on, then you, you kind of pick up on the rhythm of what, he's, of what he's talking about. In verse 21, he says that you've probably heard that we must not murder. And everyone's like, yeah, okay, that's, that's a law. That's an old law. That's been around a long time. Jesus said, there's, there's, there's one example. Here's, here's one of the laws that, that we must not murder. That's a law that he is not going to abolish. But he takes that law and he makes it even better. He takes it to a whole nother level. And so Jesus says, okay, you've heard that you should not, you should not murder. But he says, don't even wish that somebody was dead. Don't commit murder in your heart or in your head. Don't think evil towards someone else. Don't allow hatred to, to build inside you and, and consume you. Don't curse them, he says in verse 22. In fact, Jesus even says, don't even call them an idiot. Now I know why that word was uh, not to be spoken in my home growing up. Anyone else like that? I could. That was worse than a curse word. In, in my house, if you called, if you called someone and, and it, you hit all the buttons at the same time, if you called someone an idiot in, 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 my house when I was, when, in our house when I was growing up. Down in verse 27, he gives us another example of grace taking the law and making it better. And Jesus, so he gives him another example. Murder was the first one. And in verse 27, he gives him another one. And he says, you've probably heard a law about not committing adultery. If it's not your ring, you don't get a thing. And, and Jesus takes it to a whole nother level. And he says, even if you look at a woman with lust in your heart, you've committed adultery. It's like, whoa. Like, Really? Yeah, you heard that it was this way. Don't commit adultery. But, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make it, you know, even, we're going to take it to a whole nother level. Even if you look at a woman with lust in your heart, you've committed adultery. And, 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 and in saying that publicly to that crowd that day, Jesus, with, with, with one sentence, he elevates the value of women in society with his teaching. That women are not objects for temporary gratification. That women are to be treated with respect and dignity and valued for who they are. It's amazing teaching. I thought someone would applaud at that point, but where'd you go? Where'd you go? You okay? Does anybody think that's a good idea? You scare me to death. It's awesome teaching. In verse 20 that we did read, Jesus takes a swipe at the Pharisees and he helps us understand what it really means to follow and serve God. And we're going we're to connect that thought of, verse, of Matthew 5, verse 20. We're going to connect it with Matthew 23, 23. Before the Sermon on the Mount, before Jesus, before the sermon, before anybody heard his teaching, if you just stop someone and ask them, who are the most righteous people around, more than likely, they would say, oh, uh, those guys, the Pharisees. They would, you know, if you said, well, who are the really righteous people? They would point at the Pharisees. A Pharisee uh, pretty much gave their entire lives to studying the laws and living them with extreme, radical obedience. And Jesus reacted to them so aggressively because uh, many of them were the, the, the exact, complete, total opposite of, of his message. Jesus took a religious system built on rules and consequences, and he made it a love relationship built on grace and forgiveness. You see that? So there's there's the tension right there. That's why he's like, every time he sees those guys trying to look so holy and so pious, he's like... Ah, you, ah, you know, what am I going to do with you guys? Jesus took a religious system built on rules and consequences, and he made it a love relationship built on grace and forgiveness. Jesus wants you to know how much God loves you, for you to choose to serve him and follow him out of a relationship that's based on, on love, not a list of rules. You see, Jesus came to serve. The Pharisees were all show. Huge difference. Jesus came to seek and save the lost. The Pharisees were seeking out anyone who wasn't perfect so they could make an example out of them. Huge difference. So what does all this have to do with the blessed life? I'm glad you're asking out loud. If you've ever thought of of giving or tithing as old school, part of the, the old laws of the Bible that it doesn't apply to us on this side of of grace or if you give out of duty out of rules rather than relationship if you give from a, a reluctant heart you're missing the joy of of giving you're missing all the upsides and blessings that come from from an overflowing heart that just that just loves to to give back and to pour out worship to God. As Moore says, tithing is life. It's not law. It's it's life. Don't see tithing as a payment that you're locked into. Giving unlocks. It unlocks the blessing of the payment that Christ paid for your life. Tithing doesn't tie you up. It frees you up. Jesus didn't come to to press the laws down harder and harder on us until they're just unbearable. He came to pour His love and grace on everything we know to be true, to lift us from our burdens and to set us free. So, let's jump to Matthew chapter 23. Matthew 23 is pretty much an entire chapter of Jesus telling the Pharisees how he really feels. And it's pretty clear. And again, reminds me of my father at a hockey game. <laughs> and he calls them hypocrites, um, blind guides. I remember my father yelling at a referee one night, if you had another eye, you'd be a cyclops. That is not in my notes. Uh, Jesus calls them hypocrites, blind guides, unclean, filthy, whitewashed tombs, blind fools, snakes, sons of vipers, and a few other gems. He's hot. He is hot in Matthew chapter 23. And he's partly calling them out for their charade. And he's partly going out of his way to show us that, that, that his teaching, that following him, it's the, it's the exact, total, complete opposite of those guys. And Jesus calls us to, to take off our mask. He points out the, the hypocrisy in those guys. And in doing that, he's, he's telling us, don't be fake. Be real. Don't try to impress everyone else by by trying to make the world think that you're something that you're not. Just be who you are. Just be real. Uh, serve. Serve the hungry, serve the poor, serve the widow, serve the orphan. Actually, love your neighbor. Love everyone. Less judgment, more grace. Less barking, more wagging. So let's look at Matthew twenty-three, twenty-three. What What sorrow awaits you, teachers of religious law and you Pharisees. He's had enough. Hypocrites, for you are careful to tithe even the tiniest income from your herb gardens, but you ignore the more important aspects of the law, justice, mercy, faith. You should tithe. You should tithe, Jesus says. You should tithe. It's still a good idea. But do not neglect the more important things. If you are giving to meet an obligation, even if you never miss a penny, you're missing the point. If you give from your wallet but you don't give from your heart, you're missing the point. Giving is more than money from your income, it's a a lifestyle of gratitude and love that looks for ways to share Jesus with the world. When you seek, oh, where'd my verse go? When you seek justice, when you seek justice, you share Jesus. When you show mercy, you share Jesus. When you live a life of of faith, you trust Jesus, and people see that your faith is real. Jesus is telling the Pharisees that their gifts are empty. Their gifts aren't changing them and they're not changing anyone else. No one is coming to Jesus because of how careful the Pharisees are in tithing on their herb gardens. Following Jesus is more than it's more than showing up on Sunday and settling your tithe. Yes, Jesus says you should tithe. But we need to get back out into the world where where people are living and people are struggling and people are hurting and maybe even dying. And we need to be Jesus to the least of these. Don't tithe to get ahead. Don't tithe to be recognized. Don't tithe because it's God's law. Tithing is one of the ways that God blesses our lives out of relationship, not rules. And then we go out and we love others as Jesus has loved us, well, uh, the band's going to come and uh, and lead us in uh, a perfect wor- worship song. And I just I just want to say this again. I'm not sure I say this enough, but um, Pastor Jay Muir has a way of picking um, the perfect songs, and I'm sure it's because he's dialed in with the Holy Spirit. Um, don't, don't get so focused on him that you forget about how I'm closing the service here. But I just, I, I looked at the order of service and he, he and he had in the heart of worship for the closing song. And I just thought, I haven't even finished my sermon yet. How do you do that? I don't know. And, and it's perfect. Um, and so we need to respond. Uh, you're not responding to me. Um, you're not even responding to what I said. You're responding... To the voice of the Holy Spirit You're responding to Jesus this morning If you've been serving God out of duty Today is a day to come back to God's love If you've been more concerned with God's approval Or the approval of others Today is a day to focus on what God wants to accomplish In your life If you've been doing just doing enough to get by as a Christian That's legalism Today is a day to come back to lavish, extravagant, unstoppable worship. If you've been cheap on justice, mercy, faith, and how you've been showing love of Jesus to others, today is a day to step up and recommit to giving your life, to serving others as Jesus came to serve and um, and also this morning, if, if you're here and you've, you've, never, you've not yet taken that most important step of your life to simply uh, accept Jesus as your Savior and invite him into your life, today would be a great day for that as well. Let's pray together. Lord, you are good. <laughs> God, you're so good. And what an opportunity we have right now to respond back to you with hearts overflowing for who you are and your goodness to us. And so, God, um, this pastor's prayer uh, is simply that that these people, that, that we together, myself included, that we would uh, clearly hear and understand your your voice, your Holy Spirit speaking to us in this moment. And that we would respond in a way that holds nothing back. I pray and ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.